Welcome to the Capital Integrative Health Podcast, a podcast dedicated to transforming the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding the root causes of both disease and wellness. I am Dr. Andrew Wong, co-founder of Capital Integrative Health, an integrative practice committed to expanding access to holistic root cause medicine to the global community. Today, we are joined by Liz Reese. Liz Reese is a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, a positive psychology practitioner certified by the Flourishing Center, and a certified heart math coach. Liz has worked with CIH to offer health coaching and has led several of our virtual group visits, including heart math and a 30-day sleep reset. Liz utilizes a multidisciplinary approach to wellness, which integrates positive psychology practices with nutrition, movement, and biological sciences to help clients achieve positive, lasting transformations in their lives. We are excited to bring you a conversation today about how your nervous system impacts your health and what you can do to improve your health using HeartMath. Welcome, Liz, to the podcast. Thank you so much for being on today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I know we've worked together for a while now on, on heart math and, and many other you know aspects of CIH, you know, looking at mind-body practices and how that can improve health and wellness. But I think first, let's start with your background and how did you become acquainted with CIH and, and maybe just start with that. Sure. Um, so actually, I started with CIH as a patient at the practice, um, I, got, I think about five years ago, maybe more. Um, and from there, I started this relationship with Capital Integrative Health. So I, it's been a pleasure to both see it as uh, a patient coming from that side, but then also to be a part of the practice. It's been, it's been really neat. That's awesome. And, um, and uh, what made you interested in general in, um, I guess, both coming to CAH, but also more broadly interested in, in health and wellness? Mm, well, uh, two things, really. So um, one was my own health journey, uh, dealing with chronic illnesses. And the other was um, when my mother was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer, she, um, she really opened the door to an alternative um, modality of treatment. So she went to an integrative cancer center called the Block, uh, Block Institute. And um, that really opened my mind to something other than the, just the, the traditional medical model. Um, because when she went there, they really looked at her nutrition, they looked at um, her mi- mindfulness, um, they looked at her stress levels, they just looked at her whole being, not just, um, just fighting the cancer. And so that opened my mind. And then I was dealing with my own chronic health issues um, at the same time. And so I began to look at myself uh, in, 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 in a, a bigger way, looking at my, my well-being um, from a broader lens. And so that got me curious. And I went down the rabbit hole of reading a thousand books and listening to podcasts. And that's what really did it. Great. And uh, it sounds like both your mom and yourself had probably very different experiences than if you were going through a conventional model, let's say, and that probably opened up your mind to something, uh, you know, bigger possibilities or different possibilities in, in any case. Oh, absolutely. Especially with my mom. Um, you know, it's and it's interesting because at the same time that my, my mother was diagnosed with cancer, one of my best friends was diagnosed with cancer and she went the traditional route and it, seeing the disparity between the two was really stark for me. Um, 
my mom's quality of life was just so much better because she felt better um, through the treatment. And I, and I believe it was because um, she was eating so much better. She was exercising. She was like focusing on sleep, focusing on the whole being. And I really saw how it worked. And then that contrasted with my girlfriend who was not doing all of these things. And um, it was a much harder road for her. Um, and so, yeah, seeing the success is, is game changing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great that, that your mom was able to have some, you know, quality of life mm -hmm. there and that, that made a difference for her. I have a, uh, another question that's, uh, along those lines is, is kind of what made you make the switch from being a patient to working professionally in health and wellness? Mm. Uh, that's a good question. So, um, Gosh, I, I started actually moving in, moving from my my prior career, which was in more international development. I've lived a, lived abroad for most of my adult life. Um, I, I started that career switch when we moved back to the United States, and that it was at that time that I went to Capital Integrative Health. So it it sort of happened simultaneously. Um, and so then when I went back to school and began the whole health coaching certification with the positive psychology certifications and all of this, at the same time, I was uh, working with Capital Integrative Health on my own healing journey. And so it was a natural kind of progression that once I finished and I was certified, um, then and then COVID hit. And that's, I think, really what brought us together in a different way, because um, I saw that heart math could be a real benefit to the um to the patients at capital integrative health especially in the midst of such a a stressful time and and i i will say th thank you so much liz for you know working with us here especially during heart math and the other coaching that you do because i often tell patients that heart math is is one of the most important if not most the most important thing we've done here at cih oh thank you during our history here. Um, we can talk more about heart math in a minute and take a deep dive into that. But as a general um, sort of another, one more general question here is um, based on, you know, being a positive psychology coach, health and wellness coach, heart math instructor, what do you enjoy most about what you do on a, on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm, that's a good question. Gosh, uh, so many things. One is I just love connecting with people. I mean, that's, that's at the basis of everything is the connection. Yes. that I have, that Great. I get to have with people through the one-on-one -on -one coaching relationship and also in the group visits that we also run. And I absolutely love that. Um, what else? I think the, some of the other things that I really enjoy is the deep dive into learning and being curious and everything that I share with clients, I do myself. And so I, I, I love that. I love that, um, you know, really living the life, you know, walking the walk, the walk. Yeah. and then yeah. you to share yeah. that and see the difference that it makes in people's lives. That's satisfying. It, and, and it's the difference between really doing healthcare. And we've, we've talked about this a lot here is, you know, the difference between doing healthcare and, and being well or, or being health, yeah. right. Embodying that ourselves, I think it really gives us a much greater sense. And I would say, appreciation for what our patients or our clients are going through as yeah, well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can, you know, when, when you, cause it's not easy, right? It's not, it's not, easy not at all. Live, no, not at to all. To live in a way that brings well-being, And so when you do it yourself, you really come up against the, the hardness of it. 
and that helps you to be empathic and that helps you to to know you know what are what are things that work in helping to move the me- the needle for other people because you you've been through it yourself there's a saying about how um to live a extraordinary life you have to live outside the ordinary. In other words, there's this bunch of inertia from either society or culture or like food systems or whatever that's that's kind of all kind of um, dovetailing us towards this kind of quote unquote ordinary, which is not necessarily optimal health and wellness pathway. So to, to get a little outside of that is, is to lead an extraordinary life. And, and I feel like, yeah. you know, you're leading the way here. Yeah, so. we're, com- we're, we're pushing up against norms, unhealthy norms right. and behaviors of society and the messages that are all around us. And while we have to take radical responsibility for our our choices and ourselves, we also have to remember that we're not living in a bubble. We're living in a context of a a quite unhealthy society and messages and and, um, things that really impact us. And so it's, it's, um, you know, there's room for us to give ourselves some grace, to have compassion that this is a situation that we're in. And at the same time, to say, hey, I am a sovereign being. I can take responsibility for what I can control. And while that's hard, it is possible. It is doable. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, grace, is, grace and compassion are essential to this uh, journey because we're all, like you said, up against, uh, I would say, you know, the, the normative um, kind of values of society, which are not necessarily conducive towards health automatically. Mm-hmm. The other aspect, you know, I would just add to what you just said is that a lot of times people don't realize there's other options yeah. out there to help their health, right? So just having those, having access, but then also just the awareness awesome. that there's something else that's available. Like if your mom didn't go to Block Center, and, and you didn't have your own things, and then even you didn't see your girlfriend go through what she went through, like, how would you have known without those kind of experiences, you know? Yes, yes, and I so appreciate that about Capital Integrative Health, because the, you are getting out this information in so many different modalities with Facebook, with, um, you know, this podcast, with, you know, the, the, the patients that you serve, and um, yeah, I, I think that's so important, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Uh, and I am also humbled and happy to be part of it as well. And I think we would also say that um, we're really here trying all together collectively to move the needle of consciousness about what it means to be healthy and well. And I think bringing out to more people, you know, we know that health doesn't happen in a vacuum, that it's not just like every person is an island and we're having, we're like data points and we can like look at labs and things like that. But it's also about the conversations we have with people and the, and the sharing that we have and those type of things. And of course, the social and emotional connections connections we have with people as well yeah. that really move the needle uh, with people's health. I have a similar journey and I'll just say in general that, you know, family and friends have been instrumental, you know, sort of played an instrumental role in my integrative journey as well. Um, so I think let's go into a bit on health coaching for a bit uh, broadly, and then we'll get into heart math. But as a certified nationally certified health and wellness coach, uh, what are your primary goals when working with a client? And, and, you know, th- this, this is a very, um, broad question, but, uh, but kind of in general, when you, when someone comes to you and it's like, Hey, I need some health coaching. What are you kind of thinking about right off the bat with them? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, first and foremost, my goals are their goals. Um, it's really a coaching relationship is a, a client centered approach, right? And so 
Um, I'm, I'm there as a cheerleader, as a support system, as someone who asks good questions, as someone who maybe sh shares some information or frameworks. I like to work with frameworks. Like this is a way that you can kind of conceptualize uh, your situation, conceptualize what's happening in your body. It's a frame with which to look, and that can be helpful. So my goal is really helping them to look at their overall health and wellness to uh, to to really hone in on what it is they truly want, what do they what what do they want with their lives, and how do they want to feel, who do they want to be, and then um, break that down into actionable steps that they can do. And then um, you know part of that is showing you know maybe there are some practices that they might benefit from, or perhaps. Um, they want to make very, very small incremental changes in some of the ways that, some of the things that they do, some of the ways that they live. Like for example, it could be, um, you know, the way that they eat or, um, you know, stepping out in the sunshine first thing in the morning, you know, there are lots of little things. So yeah, my goal is their goal. <laughs> Long. And, and I think, I think both of us uh, grew up before the internet was launched, right? At least the major internet. Is that not to be uh, all specific about dates and times? But um, one of the things I thought of when you said that, and you know, my goals or your goals and things, is that you know, going to the library and checking out those choose your own adventure mm -hmm. books. You know, kind of like their your clients or patients' life. That's it's like their own adventure, and so empowering them to really choose their own adventure and what's their health goals and what's their wellness goals, and then they're actually taking charge of their own health, and you're a partner, a guide rather than a dictator. Absolutely, absolutely. And people know. I mean, I, I think they're people have their own wisdom. They know best what is exactly what they want, what is best for them, and um, it's wonderful because I love I love the 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 kind of the intersection or the overplay between the doctor relationship with the client and then the coach relationship, because it's very different, right? I mean, the doctor is mm -hmm. going to be, be doing that deep dive with a patient into what's happening inside the body, what's happening with the cells, what's happening, you know, with the gut and there, the, all the labs and the testing and really going into the micro. And then that turns into, okay, well, how do I take this information, right? And the doctor makes suggestions about, you know, lifestyle or, uh, you know, um, procedures or, or medicines. But then from there, then you zoom on out and it's like, okay, now how does this work with my life? What are, how am I going to, to actually fit in these changes into my every day? And so the health coach is kind of there to, to, to help the client, um, you know, zoom out and begin to make the changes in their life. And then we help them zoom out even more. Okay, that's your life. Well, what is your life in the larger context of your relationships, of your work, of the society that we live in? Okay, so let's figure out where do we go from here? We... I, I love all those points. And, and I would just say that it, it just reminds me of this idea that uh, a lot of times in traditional medicine, we're going to look at like, okay, what's the patient practitioner relationship? What's the medical treatment? What are the lab results and things like that? We'll have maybe four visits with them a year. But if you think about it, how many days are there in a year? At least 365 days, 366 if there's a leap year, right? So that means 365 minus four, there's 361 more days that the patient is uh, also, you know, the, is really living their life as a person, right? With the relationships, with the context of what are they, 
what are they doing every day when they're getting up? What's the joy and purpose? And, you know, why are they even alive? Like w- even, you know, sometimes I'll even say to people, you know, if we had a magic wand, let's say, or you, if you had a magic wand more, more, um, you know, more accurately, and then you could just like wave away all your issues, what would life be worth living for? Like, what would be the point of all that? And so I think that does bring it to a larger context, you know, as well. Um, curious about what you see in terms of the common themes you see arising with clients, both opportunities and, and challenges. Yeah. Um, right now, I see a lot of themes that arise around stress and stress's impact on the quality of life are, um, and our just, I mean, our bodies, stress is impact on the body. Um, so that is a, always a recurring theme that I see. I think people have a lot of overwhelm. There's, um, overwhelm in their lives and they're, they're, um, they're kind of dysregulated when it comes to their nervous system. So they're always in a minor stress state, um, or most of the time they're in a minor stress state. And that has a big impact on their mental well-being, their emotional well-being, their physical well-being. So I see that as a big as a big theme. And the other big theme that I see is uh, uh, information overload. So people, there's so much information out there on the web, and there's so many things that they can be doing. So um, another theme is just is just you know helping people to choose one thing that's going to make. And that, that generally comes from, from their practitioner saying, hey, this is, this is the thing that really is going to move the needle. And so helping them, okay, if this is the, the category that's going to move the needle, what's the one thing that we're going to do? So it's that kind of um, helping people to sort of focus and um, not be so overwhelmed. And then- TMI, too much information, right? Too many choices, right? Um, even when you go to the grocery store, I think there's like over 20,000 choices, most of which are not real food, right? So like, what if it was just like, what if there was a grocery store that just was called instead of it calling, I won't say a name of grocery store, but you know, the real food grocery store and it only had real food. I mean, you'd have like maybe 20 choices or something, right. you know, if they were in season and then stuff like that. Um, <laughs> what'd you so say? So much easier. <laughs> so much easier. So much easier. Uh, anything you could, you could pick up and eat right away that didn't have preservatives and you'd have to kind of kind of just eat it soon or it would go bad. Um, the other thing is that, you know, stress, I was going to, I was, I was thinking about this analogy when you're talking about stress and how it's pervasive, it's chronic, it's low grade, it's always there. It's clearly impacting our lives and health and well-being in a very profound way across all of our organ systems, mm-hmm. mind, body, and spirit. I would say that stress is not only an elephant in the room because that even that analogy is like, too tame because usually an elephant is like sitting there it's pretty quiet i mean it's huge but it's like pretty quiet it's actually more like a gorilla and you know that gorilla might be throwing bananas at us or something like that you know (laughs) so that's kind of what um so um yeah i guess i guess going on to um I want to segue into heart math in a minute but in but in the meantime we can just say let's say we we have this gorilla named stress you know or something like that um what is resilience and in, in relationship to you know this this chronic stress we all have right now, especially during COVID, but also during probably at any any time in life, there's chronic stress in modern day society. What is resilience and how can we build that resilience? Mm, yeah, resilience. Um, resilience to me really is kind of our ability to be flexible with life, to move with whatever life throws at us um 
and kind of, you know, if you think of it as a person on a, on a surfboard who's, who's shifting their weight according to the waves, who's aware of their surroundings and they are able, they're flexible, they're adaptable to life. Um, so that's a key component of resiliency. And then it's also if you fall off the surfboard <laughs> because of, you know, a wave's going to make you crash at some point or another. And, but can you get back up on the, on that board and can you, after you get back up on the board, what have you learned? How have you evolved as a person? How, um, what are you bringing with you from that fall into life to help you become even more flexible going forward, even more adaptable? Um, so that to me is sort of what, what resiliency is, is all about. So what I'm getting from this, and I'm, I'm joking a little, but, but not completely because I love this, but uh, go to Hawaii, <laughs> learn how to surf, keep on surfing even if you fall down and enjoy the water and waves and sunlight. That's what I'm getting uh -huh. from this. <laughs> or, or El Salvador, yes. You're, you're um, currently in El Salvador and, and you're somewhat close to the beach, mm -hmm. I guess? Yeah, pretty close. And actually taking, taking some surf lessons. How, how's it going? Yeah. Uh, surfing is hard. <laughs> Yes, yes, okay. I can probably barely stand on the board, yeah, but, but it's yeah. fun. <laughs> awesome, yeah, yeah. I, I love being out in the sand, and of course, we know about um, earthing and you know getting getting out there, connecting to nature, you know, connecting to back to ourselves, really. Um, so, so resilience, um, as 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 you said, um, you know, stress is not avoidable. You know, it's something that we all deal with in life. But how do we go with the flow? You know, how do we kind of, um, you know, not necessarily mitigate it, but just kind of roll with the roll with it a bit. Um, so we're going to talk a bit more about that uh, very shortly about heart math and nervous imbalance and how to cultivate resilience there. But one more question about health coaching. How do you see health coaching integrating with the healthcare system overall? What, are the, what is the role of health, of, um, health coaches moving forward? You know, we know that they, I think health coaches are going to play a huge critical role in, in moving forward in healthcare. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's my hope. My hope is that um, it becomes way more mainstream and way more common and just uh, it becomes part of healthcare in general in, 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 a, in a real established way. So that, you know, when you go to a doctor, you are part of this team that includes a, that includes a health coach. Um, and so, you know, like I talked about health, really well-being is an everyday occurrence, right? It's a moment to moment to moment choice. And so, Health coping, health coaching can help people, um, like you said, like in the other 362 days of the year when they're when they're not with a practitioner. So I, I really hope that it becomes um, something that's covered by insurance, something that is um, readily available to people, um, and that um, is kind of just just a part of what we do. Yeah, and, I, and going back to the surfing analogy, I believe that health coaches are going to be leading the leading wave uh, surfing into this healthcare 2.0 here. I, I really feel like it's the it's the future of healthcare. So we are doing that um, to some degree here at CIH. We're trying to figure out all the logistics of that, but really glad that you and Tony are here to do um, uh, some health coaching and kind of being the forefront of that change. So thank you so much for that. Um, and, you know, we know that, again, um, like, just like you said before, you know, you go to the doctor, you go to a healthcare practitioner, you get a treatment plan, but that treatment plan doesn't happen in a vacuum, mm -hmm. right? This is where it goes back to like, 
where are the relationships where's the the coaching the accountability the partnership yeah. like all that and then and then what's the larger context of their life that's something that a health coach can really put um you know put into context with with that patient yeah, absolutely so let's get on to the uh, scientific part of the program with math, rather heart math, I would say. And first, let's just go uh, really broad. What is heart math, Liz? Heart math. Um, great. So heart math is um, a tool. It's a, a very practical tool that, um, that brings in the intuition of your heart to help you basically to regulate your autonomic nervous system um, so that you feel better. <laughs> it's kind of it in a nutshell. Yes. And, you know, most people's hearts, there are some people with dextrocardia, but most people's hearts are slightly on the left, you know, right here. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in heart math, we're going to look at sort of heart center breathing right in the middle of the, of the chest, like kind of the heart chakra area. Um, but, it, but the heart is really not only an organ, but it's also like an organ that's beating, I mean, but it's also a, a neuronal, you know, system It's part of the nervous system in yeah. a way. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the importance of the heart, both not only physically, but also emotionally Absolutely. as well? Absolutely. Uh, so yes, the heart, uh, as you said, it, I mean, it, it does so many things. It pumps blood, um, but it, it also has its own mini uh, brain inside. It's got a whole lot of neurons that are that are connected inside and that are constantly speaking to our brain. So our brain is sending messages to our heart, but actually there are more messages coming from the heart through the nervous system to the brain feeding it information about our body and the the heart also sends information to the rest of the body um, and so it's a big communication hub um, and that i think is super cool because we can really harness the power of the heart to help us uh, coordinate the systems of our body so um, that's a big part of heart math is is getting into coherence so that's when your heart and your mind and your body your emotions are all in alignment are all working together instead of kind of against one another got it so this heart math uh mind body technique about when was it sort of um started you know how, how did it kind of get into the research and things like that and then how did you get introduced to heart uh -huh. math yourself sure it's been around for over 20 years they've been doing research on the doc Childry. i think it was the founder and um with a with a group of other scientists and they've been studying the heart for years and years um and i got I got interested in it through my uh, my coaching course. Actually, it came up. It was um, you know an aside that one of the the uh, our teachers talked about. Oh, there's this technique, and it really caught my ear. And um, so I went to their website and I started learning about it. And then I experienced it myself. And again, it's always that when you try it on yourself and to see if it works, um, it worked for me. And I thought, oh, this yeah. is something that I think people, it's very easy to do. Um, and it's powerful. Um, there's a lot of science behind it. It's grounded in um, a lot of studies. So it's validated. And, um, and yeah, that's what made me want to become a certified practitioner myself. And, and I love even the name of it, the, the unity of, of right and left brain, like heart, yeah. 
math. You know, it's just a, a very uh, amazing, um, you know, um, synergy there. Um, I did uh, learn about it in college, and I tried some of the techniques like freeze frame and cut through and all this stuff, and it, it totally worked. You know, for some issues I was having at that time, and it was just like, oh wow, this is something real is happening here, like in my body physiologically. Yeah. But even more than that, I know it feels good, like intuitively. So you know, I kept on kind of got put on the back burner with med school and all that. But then eventually, it was like getting back to more integrative health uh, practices and learning. It was like yeah, everyone was talking about heart math. It was definitely one of those things that people were talking about and, you know, ways to support. So um, how can we use or, you know, how to use in your practice heart math to support um, a client's well-being and just in general, how, how does heart math support our well-being? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so usually I work with heart math generally when, um, when people have a lot of stress in their lives, um, which is, as I mentioned, pretty much a that's everyone, right? <laughs> Basically, could be, it could be everyone. Especially now with, with, with COVID, there's just so much stress um, and just modern our modern lifestyle. And so um, I think one of the, the really great things about heart math is that it helps you to raise your, your, your body intelligence, right? I mean, we have IQ, we have EQ, emotional intelligence, and then there's BQ, there's this body intelligence. And um, I think the BQ, the body intelligence, is the the kind of the 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 piece that that most people are not strong with. Meaning that we are so much in our heads all the time that we're not really paying attention to and listening to uh -huh. what is happening in our bodies. What's our body doing? We think you know, we're so we're so dualistic where we think, oh, the mind and then the body, when actually it's it's all attached. It's one thing. It's the mind, it's mind body. And so we, we stop paying attention to the heart, to the gut, to the legs, to the, you know, our kidneys, to our breath, to our lungs, to our muscles. We're not listening into all of these other ways that we can know ourselves. And when you do heart math, you start listening in, you start listening into your heart. You start you start feeling it beat in your chest. And then you start breathing in a way that changes the rhythm of your heart so that the heart begins to send a different message to your body. And instead of moving, instead of going from head down, which is how we always work, right? We're so mind dominant. This is one way to go from body up body out and so um i totally forgot what your original question was but <laughs> um yes well well i think i think you just answered it um how do we use heart math to support a well-being but first i would like to say a joke yeah. since i thought of this joke when you're talking um well first the the serious part the science so um of course um you know we talk about top down but just like you had said you know, very correctly, right, the heart is sending more messages up to the brain than the brain to the heart. So it actually makes more intellectual sense. But I mean, it feels really good too, to to send messages from the heart up when we're doing heart math type of breathing, yeah, Absolutely. you know, influencing our brain. Um, now, so, so really clearly um, integrating the heart and brain together and, and really f um, having a full expression of our lives, you know, in a way, 
it seems like that's a way to, to support a well-being. Now, now the joke is, that I was just, you know, I grew up in the South, so I will have, have to say this uh, kind of Southern joke, but um, we have, uh, you know, I guess there's IQ and EQ, which is an intelligent and um, emotional quotient. And then BQ I had, heard, heard, had not heard of. That's a great, um, the body, you know, body quotient, um, getting ground into the body, having the body intelligence. But um, I thought about DQ because uh, my, my dad used to own a restaurant and then there was a Dairy Queen right next to it. So <laughs> DQ with the uh, blizzards and, you know, stuff like that. So I do not recommend uh, eating daily ice cream or anything like that. that. This is not a part of the official CH podcast here, but, uh, but DQ is, um, is another acronym. If you need to remember um, some of these things, um, you can, if you want to, um, don't stress out about DQ or, you know, what, whatever, um, then, then work on heart math and the BQ, the body quotient. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, so heart math can support our well-being in, in many ways. And just to give the listeners here um, a, a few, a few ways, you know, kind of more specific ways, um, how, does, how does our nervous system, you know, because the nervous system will include both the brain, you know, and, and the heart because there's that connection between those two. But, but how does our nervous system impact our health overall? Uh, and, and then maybe maybe we can add some things about, you know, different organ systems or people are interested yeah, in that. Sure. So our, our nervous system impacts everything because our nervous system touches all the parts of our bodies. I mean, our, the nervous system goes to our to our heart to it's, you know, it, it, it innervates everything down to our guts, uh, our peripheral. It, it, it's kind of like the internet, right? What if the internet was down? Like we wouldn't even be able to have this <laughs> session here or, you know, telemedicine or anything. Absolutely. Like that, it's so. the communication system. It's the network. That is, that's yeah. our, that's our nervous system. So it, it, it impacts everything. So really, I think, I think there's, there are a few things about the nervous system. One is that, um, it go this goes back to BQ, just being, being really in, um, having that body intelligence, right? And so, so often we don't actually realize what's happening within our bodies. And so the messages that are coming through our nervous system, we're unaware of most of the time. So for example, when we get into these stressed states, um, we don't, we're not actually registering them because we're still in the, in the mind. We're not registering where it's showing up physically for us. Right. And, um, and that, that's an that's an issue because because when we become more intelligent in our bodies and really say ah okay i feel i feel stress in my chest i feel stress stress in my um i'm sweating or i am clenching my belly once we begin to feel it in the body we can use that communication system that the nervous system to from the body to calm down the mind to calm down all of it right so um, so when, when, when we become more body intelligent, we can start to, to really pay attention to what's going on with our nervous system and where we're feeling tension, where we're feeling anger, where we're feeling loneliness, where we're feeling stuck. And then, uh, we can tap into that feeling in the body and begin to ask it, what does it need? You know, do I need to, to, um, relax my shoulders? Do I need to breathe differently? Do I need to move around? Um, and that sends a message through the nervous system, moving us out of that fight or flight state and then moving us over into a calm and coherent state of being. 
would you say we're going from kind of a, an unconscious or subconscious kind of state where we're not aware mm -hmm. of our body to a more conscious state when we can actually do something about it? Kind of like we're driving a car on autopilot versus if we're actually driving the car and being aware of the speed limit and if we're going too slow or too fast or at, at a normal yes, speed. Yes, that's a really great that's a really great way to uh, to say it. Um, I think that gets to the heart of it, is we're just kind of running around in our minds on autopilot. And yeah, and, and if we're on, if we're if we're doing at you know seventy five miles an hour and we don't know it, and all of a sudden we get pulled over by the cop or something, right? Then that's that's kind of like we, we don't want to get to that state where we're so you know chronically stressed mm -hmm. and we're not aware of our bodies and, and minds, and you know the autonomic nervous system is dysregulated, and we don't we don't want a serious health yeah. event to be the thing that is gonna stop. Yeah, like us. that's the cop. The cop. Like that's the cop. Uh, yeah, a heart attack or whatever. Right, like right. So, and and we know that like type A personality and different emotional uh, dysregulations chronically over time, like anger and all these things, are associated with an increased risk of myocardial infarction, which is heart attack. Yeah. So, this is where some of the the pieces kind of the puzzles between the mind and body and and health kind of come into play here, and how heart math can really help uh, you avoid that that speeding ticket, but more importantly, like the the cop just pulling you over completely. So your body, you know, continues to function normally versus getting shut down. Um, all right. So, um, so the nervous system is the internet, the network to the system impacts all the organs, entire health. Um, and, and we, I think you had touched on this a lot here so far as, you know, the themes that you see with clients in the nervous system. So, um, really, even if people are, you know, don't feel stressed, I mean, now we're in this global pandemic, you know, are, are we kind of saying we're almost like noticing a lot of times people's autonomic nervous system balance is, is off at times for sure. Like everyone pretty much is a universal issue we're all dealing with. For sure. I think there's, I've noticed that there's a lot of disconnection between um, our minds and our body when it comes to stress. Some of it is that we're so used to living in a mildly stressed state that it feels normal to us. So, Like it's normal to be in this stress state. It's normal to not feel optimal, right? We don't even so, really yeah. feel it anymore, yeah. right? So we don't really yeah. realize yeah. that no, that's so true. our necks are always tight or that our, that we're breathing only in our in our upper chest or that you know yeah. so many so many things um we just don't even really notice it there's a disconnection there and uh that is is super super problematic i, I feel like we need built-in wellness like little reminders that are like automatic so either getting an ergonomic desk so that you automatically start to drop those traps you know drop the scms um get, getting some built-in timers even like to do yoga or heart math or meditation like so that there's built-in wellness you know in a way like if if the system is set up to and to perpetuate this chronic low-level stress low-grade stress we have to find ways to ameliorate that in a way to balance that out with built-in wellness mm -hmm techniques. So I'm curious if, you know, you've found yourself personally, or what can people do at home to support their nervous system to have that balance between, you know, um, to, to, to have that balance between, you know, or, or to create built-in wellness, I would say. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think building a life around health and well-being is super important. So kind of designing your life and your space taking into into mind the needs of the body right and so creating rituals in your day um, when you wake up what are you intentionally going to do um, to kind of set the day 
Um, for me, I like to do heart math and meditation in the morning, um, but it could just be stretching. It could be taking a moment to connect into the body, feel it, feel the body, and to feel the way you're breathing, feel the way, you know, is your chest, is, or is your jaw clenched? Is it relaxed? Um, movement is a big way to remember. So kind of creating these, these routines in our lives, um, I think is really important. And then also creating those reminders for ourselves, if whether or not it's something on the phone that, uh, you know, ding, ding, on the phone, you have a reminder, hey, breathe. That's a big thing. Or it could be also um, attaching some kind of wellness thing, uh, practice to something that you already do. Like, for example, when you brush your teeth, you have something you do every day. What can you attach to brushing your teeth? Um, that that is going to you know bring you into balance and that could be that when right before I brush my teeth I'm going to stretch or right before I have my morning cup of coffee I am going to uh, do some leg lifts or um, move my body or breathe or take a moment to list to say five things I'm grateful for so if we can we can kind of build these things and attach them to already existing habits. That's one way to kind of make them more easily remembered. Um, and then the other thing, you know, as we as we kind of do that zoom out thing, I'm I'm hopeful that as more and more people become aware of how important it is to build lives around wellness then it becomes not something that we have to remember to do that we have to that it's like weird and extraordinary to do these things that is just part of the way people live their lives like at at a meeting at work everyone stretches first or everyone takes a moment yeah. to collect their breath or yeah. you know these things start to become super normal and um and it's it's just how we all live and that's part of the culture yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing vision. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely working towards that here. And I think, you know, it's little by little, you know, building it one step at a time, building that wellness culture. Um, but, you know, it is, you know, life is a choose your own adventure. But the thing is that we are our own authors, which is really interesting. You know, we can choose, like you said, which wellness practices we want to do when we want to do them, things like that. I feel like the important thing is that is that we all just like keep on trying to do them on a daily basis and try to try to be wellness, you know, in a way, um, as opposed to doing as well. Um, I wanted to ask you about that, actually. Um, what do you feel like, because I mean, in our culture is very achievement oriented, you know, it's very much like, you know, what do you do for a living and like how many hours do you work? Or if you're retired, like what kind of volunteer work are you doing? You know, um, what do you do during the day? Like everyone has to be busy, busy, busy. And um, there's this there's this idea in Chinese medicine that the Chinese character for busy literally means heart killing. Mm -hmm. Right. If you just look at the Chinese characters, it literally means like the heart is getting killed. So that implies that a really busy person or overly busy person, their heart is suffering. Yeah their heart is getting like squeezed from all the busyness, you know, like they can't, can't even breathe because there's like too much stuff going on. So curious your thoughts about, you know, is there a dichotomy or, you know, what's the sort of relationship between doing, mm -hmm. you know, and like go, go, go and, and being, and, you know, how can we maintain that healthy balance between, between doing, which we obviously have to do certain things in life, right? Doing and being. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Um, and I think this kind of talks too to our, um, as a culture, especially Western culture, our 
our preference for the mind, our preference for everything that's intellectual, that's doing, that's creating in that way, and our our um, sort of we, we we kind of ignore the fact that we are that we are bodies in nature, right? And that's yeah. the that's the being piece is is that we who we are what what we are we are we are what are we being um, as humans and so. I think when we come back to the body and come back to who we are as a, a really fully embodied and an integrated whole person, that's when the being can really support the doing. So hmm. the being is you, I mean, hopefully we are doing as an outcome of our being, not as, you know, that. We, we forget yeah. that the being comes first and who we be supports what we do. The flower blooms from the seed and all of yes, that. And yes, we kind of have yes. it the other way around. Whereas who we do, what we do is who, you know, people conflate that with our, yeah. with our being. Oh, oh, yeah. that this person has done X, Y, and Z, and that's who they yeah. are. Ah, that's an identity, yeah. yes. And that's, uh, that's things that happen in the world. But who are they? Like, who, who are, what are they? What are they like as a being? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I remember I just am thinking back to my my um, residency days and I had a professor talk to me about like, you know, who I am and all this stuff. And I was talking about, oh, I'm in school, you know, I'm obviously studying, you know, medicine. He's like, no, no, no. Who are you really? You know, I was like, oh, I like to play jazz music. I'm a musician. He's like, ah, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, so it's it's the being. It's what's kind of enlivening and nourishing our souls, really in a way and that that inner being like you said is going to support the doing and it's going to make that doing in a way much more conscious much more fruitful much more helpful to be of service yeah. to the highest good you know so um well thank you for that uh, amazing answer and um conversation here and we have some fun closing questions that we ask all our guests liz so <laughs> we're going to go for some uh, fun questions here but um do you have a morning routine and if so what do you like to do in the morning yes. I think you kind of answered that. Yeah, a little bit, well, I, I do heart math and a combo of heart math and meditation. I journal yeah. every morning. I love to journal. Nice. I do sun salutations and um, I usually do some kind of uh, aerobic or weight training in the morning. I, li I like my, my morning kind of routine. And another big thing for me for mornings is snuggling with my kids. I wake them up. I snuggle with nice. them. Uh, I yeah. connect with them in the morning and my husband too. Like that's a big, that connection yeah. is super important for me. Yeah. Family connections. I, I agree. Question about the, um, for you, um, for, I have a question about for my morning routine too, but um, for everyone listening to um, yoga, meditation, exercise, uh, what is your, cause I've been trying to experiment with this and try to, you know, figure out what works best here. Do you have a particular preference as to what works better for you, you know, as a general idea of those three things, you know, if you did like yoga, meditation, exercise, is there a certain order that's better to do them in um, or that you found it to be better? No, not really for me personally. Um, I kind of like to be a little fluid. I don't like to be super rigid and I, yeah, I try yeah. to put all of these yeah, things in, but it really depends on the day. And again, I feel into my body. What does my body want? What does my body need? What, like what's coming up for me that I want to do first. And sometimes it's like, I have an idea that I want to get out on paper or I have something that needs to be written. 
And sometimes I wake mm-hmm. up and I have a crook in my neck and I, my body wants to stretch and move. And sometimes I just really crave first hugging my kids. Like, I, so I, I try to listen in and be like that surfer on the surfboard and be flexible. Go with so the flow. Love that. Yeah. That's the best advice. Yes. Well, well, thank you so much. And um, what book or podcast are you enjoying the most right now? Oh, I am a podcast junkie. <laughs> <laughs> this could be a whole other podcast yeah. of Liz's favorite you know, podcast. Some of the ones yeah. that I love that, I, <laughs> um, that I'm into lately. So I love um, Rich Roll's podcast. He's good. Andrew oh, check. podcast yeah. is good. Okay. Uh, Daniel Thorson, Emerge, is good. Anything by Daniel Smachtenberger, I love. He doesn't have a podcast, but he does a lot of podcasts. Um, oh, my gosh, there's so many. You have to email me all these uh, recommendations. We can put that out there. Th- thank you so much. And what do you do every day to cultivate joy? It sounds like that's kind of kind of baked into your to your day, but um, what are your kind of main key key kind of um, advice or your, your own personal experience? With yeah, that? joy. Um, gosh, I love to learn. I'm really curious. And so that's a big part of joy for me is uh, going down rabbit holes and, and learning. And I already mentioned it, but my family is a huge source of joy for me. I also love to dance. Mm-hmm. I dance every day. I put music on and I, I'm always nice. dancing. Um, What's your favorite uh, types of music if you have different types? Oh, I, too many to count. I mean, I, I, I love the throwbacks. <laughs> so like for my college days, oh yeah, I put those yeah. hands around to those. <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Liz, for being on this pon- podcast. It's been so much fun and um, a lot of learning here and a lot of joy here too. So um, how can listeners learn more about you and work with you? Uh, well, through CIH, you can contact me through the portal. Um, I have a, a website. It's uh, intoflourish.com. You can always check that out. Um, but yeah, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Liz, for coming on. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. If you join, enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review and like us. It helps us to reach more listeners, helps our podcast kind of have our mission of increasing you know, access to the global community here on integrative health and wellness. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next conversations. And thank you so much, Liz, for being with us thank today. Thank you.